Hey everybody, it's been a while. This is Ayan coming to you from the city that never opens, Toronto. I just wanted to send a really quick message to all of our listeners that I didn't even know we had and say that I'm sorry we kind of dipped uh, and didn't continue the podcast. As we all know, life happens. Um, that's the bad news. The good news is that we do have another podcast. It's me and my back at it again, still talking about art. Some things never change. So if you are looking for distraction uh, and like us, you're also stuck indoors and just have a lot of time on your hands and not a lot of inspiration these days. Join us for a continuation of our art discussions. I will say this though, it's not as fashion-based it's more of a broad conversation relating to everything in the arts, including fashion, but not limited to it. Uh, and I think that's mainly because if you happen to know us, you know that we have a lot of different interests. In fact, the name The Obsessor came about because of this very fact. Uh, Mai had suggested that I start a podcast talking about all the things that I am obsessed with. And he would kind of warm me up and get me started. But what I realized is that part of it is who you have the conversations with. So, of course, the two of us had to do it together. Um, so if you're interested, come listen to our new podcast, the Acid Tone Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and on, actually not on Facebook. You can definitely follow us on Instagram and on your favorite podcast feeds and uh, we're going to keep it small this time. So we're going to keep doing the podcast. There's already a few episodes out now. Um, subscribe to the new feed and you will find that the old Obsessor podcast will be on there, but you don't have to listen to it. But if you do, we would appreciate it anyway. Um, another quick note is that we have worked really hard to improve our audio quality. And I hope that is noticeable in the coming episodes. If you have any feedback, just send us a line at acidxtone at gmail.com. That is acidxtone at gmail.com. And we'll be sure to respond to your messages either online or through the podcast. Thanks, guys, and enjoy the episode. I'm not hangry. I'm not because we because ate. There's, there's, there's food there now. I'm absolutely not hangry. In fact, I I'm willing to go on a hunger strike if that leads to better podcast content. I don't. It's not about the followers. I think it's not about the followers. Forget the followers. We gotta we gotta figure out what we're talking about and why. Well, because until we get to the point that our content is actually interesting and relevant, we're not gonna have followers. Please don't make that sound right now. We're recording. Um, well, I want to be more avant-garde and I want to just talk. That's not avant-garde. That's a conversation. Hey, hey, that's my definition of avant-garde. That's how I use it. Okay. <laughs> I am. I am. You're so avant-garde. Of, you're outside of avant-garde. Yes. I am the Yoko Ono of this time, um, which makes no sense. No one's going to like you either. You know, there's John Lennon. Oh no, that's bad. That's bad. That's bad. Wait a minute. He dies. John Lennon dies. Yeah, but also he abuses you. Oh, yeah. He's bad, too. I Yo, forgot, about, I forgot about that. That's I forgot I, about everything. Yeah. Everyone just like hears like, yeah, we're having we're having a, a, a what is it? Bedroom uh, uh, protests in Montreal and whatever. Sit-ins, bed-ins. Yeah. Bed-ins, I believe. You know, so the glamour of like hippie life with that guy he made beautiful music, but he was an asshole. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a good topic of conversation. Well, what's his artists face? Artists who are terrible, but yeah. good artists. Yeah. Picasso. Terrible person. Great artist. Great artist. Um, I think it's just, it's not really necessarily to be an asshole. It's just, you want what you want and you're trying not to compromise. But the problem is that spills into your life life. I'm trying to remember. Who was Van Gogh's friend who was also a degenerate? Oh, that, uh, I forgot. Uh, then there was, I'm not sure if it's, is it the same guy? Well, C wasn't Suzanne a creep? He Suzanne, went to, yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah, went to was, Southeast was, Asia and exactly he just like basically about. married little girls. And he went to Polynesia. Yeah. And basically had all these wives that were like, slash whatever who were like little children. Children, basically. Basically. 
painted them. Wasn't Van Gogh's friend? Was it Suzanne? Was, is or, Suzanne the one who was Van Gogh's friend? I think it was. Yeah, then yeah, it's him. I think it was. I wasn't sure if it was him or if it was another dude that was very similar to him and just came right after him, but like, I think it was him. I think it was Suzanne. I think it was Suzanne. Um, yeah, because he left for a while. He dipped out of his life yeah, for a while. Yeah, And then he Suzanne. got depressed. Because remember, he got depressed? Yep. Um, and I liked... Uh, my favorite depiction of Van Gogh was Willem Dafoe as Van Gogh. Mm, in Julian Schneebel's or Schneibel's uh, film, he did a Van Gogh basically. It was beautiful. Julian Schnabel. Schnabel, yeah, he yes. was an art. He's an artist too. Yes. Um, but he did a film. He's a director too. So he did a, the film of Van Gogh. And was it the recent one? The recent one. Oh, that was beautiful. Yeah, that was so touching. There you go. That so was a good Willem Dafoe as Van Gogh was the best Van Gogh I've seen. I agree. And the way it was shot of how we would walk through the fields. And looking at his feet, because it was, those were not his feet. That was not Willem Dafoe's feet. It was a cinematographer's feet, handheld camera. Nice. Yeah. So to, because, you know, why would you give Willem Dafoe a uh, couple thousand dollar camera, you know? <laughs> it's just feet. Nobody yeah. needs to know Yeah, it doesn't know there. whose feet it is. And he's not going to be the one who's, who understands how to shoot this yeah. anyway. So and that's kind of interesting. Well done film. But coming back to shitty art, shitty, um, shitty artists people, who are shitty artists. people. Yeah, great art, shitty people. Um there's a lot of them. Well, arguably, I mean, uh, Steve Jobs is definitely one of those people. I don't know. He's like half artist, half. He's just a nod, but he, he's just a like we were talking was, about before. I, I think on another thing, like he's a problem solver, and he sees a bigger picture. So but, much of that is art too. You know? Artists are often problem solvers who see the bigger picture. Yeah, they just approach it in a slightly different way. But I think I would argue that. Steve Jobs was an artist and was a shit person in mm -hmm. some ways. There is some argument to be made that... And this one is like one that I battle with very often. There's this kind of... A, we give a pass to people that we consider genius or whatever, capable. Mm -hmm. um, because I think we think that their merit is somehow greater than the harm they cause with their shittiness yeah it outweighs their art or genius, yeah quote -unquote geniuses exactly a lot more. like we give them a pass yeah we do that for like any kind of genius you know everyone from like sherlock holmes and all those guys you know sherlock holmes a real person no i'm just thinking about <laughs> like, the the way that he is perceived and the way that oh, people like him are perceived right or like you know all of those variations of sherlock like house and all that oh. kind of stuff. This kind of idea that we give geniuses a pass, we give creative people a pass. But I also heard the flip side of that, which is that <laughs> when you get to a certain echelon of creation, when you become, when you cut, you're almost like floating above the world to some extent, because you see things differently, and it it makes a lot of people much more distant um and it, it makes them come off like very cold or very like you know um inhuman almost because they view everybody as below them yeah there's but the weird thing is some people become that after the fact they become successful true and or maybe people, they're just allowed to act that way more. yeah they're well that too yeah maybe their 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 bullshit is encouraged you know their, their nastiness and or maybe know. they can just get away with it maybe because they have this talent and whatever like oh, people no, no, are, just let them L do that uh art like many artists and i remember it was um remember it uh in, in, in at least in photography, it was like Terry Richardson was a piece of shit. Oh, yeah. And he would do a lot of horrible things to the models and stuff like oh, that. Oh, absolutely. And another person was uh, was later found was uh, Mario Testino. <clears throat> you know? Yeah. Which he... I didn't expect that, but apparently, same thing. A uh, lot of those guys were. Uh, probably women, too. I mean, I don't know. but for, Well, I'm Testino was guys. And yeah. I think some women. Uh, another person recently... I'm going to admit, he was one of my favorites, which oh, was uh, yeah. Bruce Weber. Wait, really? Who's yeah. that? Bruce Weber, you, uh, guess ads, black and white, big chubby oh, guy. He seems like a, a soft bear. Right. But it was to male models. Even though he was he was married or he claimed he was heterosexual. I mean, it doesn't even you know, matter if you and are. Because if you're being a yeah. creep, you're being a creep. Yeah. It doesn't matter who you're married to at the end of the day. I know, but some people use things yeah. as, as a cover, as a beard. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know what he is, and I can't, you know, assume to know. But well, whatever doing he that, was or wasn't identity-wise, he's yeah, clearly a creep, to clearly. male model. So, so there's a lot of people that get away with that because, you know, at a certain point, it was like the industry, like 
coming back to something that I'm working on, which I can't mention, but it's like people at a certain level of fame or, or whatever think they can do things to other people. Right. You know, simply because uh, the power. power. Power imbalances. Yeah. Some people also get into those fields because they want to cultivate that power imbalance. They want to be the one who's powerful and uh, and they purposely get to that point. Oh yeah. And they work hard, you know, to be the powerful ones who can exert influence on on vulnerable people. Oh, 100%. I, there was this film that, um, uh, come back to photography, it was like, uh, I think it was either Blow Up, I think it was Blow Up, that made fashion photography uh, the stylistic, sexy thing where these guys are taking advantage of these models and things like that and then treat them like crap, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. You know, like, multi, like yeah. So, like, sex, sexy, was it, escapades or whatever the fuck it is. Sexcapades. Sexcapades, you know? <laughs> so... Playboy Mansion sexcapades? Yeah. So when when it came down to... Because that was copied from the 60s where it was like David Bailey and um, all these other photographers, young male photographers from the UK. Yeah. And they made photography... Because back in the days, photography was like an old man sport type of thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Brisson and, yeah. and all these other people. And then Avedon came in who was young as well. Who's, oh, was you know, well, yeah, at the time. And then Fair. after that, right after that was like... Um, Bailey, uh, Donovan, and all those other people, these three guys. And then it just kept growing from there. So by the time the late 70s came in, 80s, we had Mizell, but Mizell wasn't the same. Mizell was always... One more commercial? He was very flamboyant, and ve- but very sweet in his own way. But he was very commercial, very out there, yeah, rock I only, star. I only know him as like a commercial photographer. Yeah, Mizell, Later yeah. on. Later yeah. on in his life. I don't know if I've... I'm very familiar with his early work. Oh, no, he started from the 80s. Yeah, but I just yeah. don't know if, like, it doesn't pop into my head. When I think of his work, I think of the later stuff that he was doing, like, the early 2000s. Mm. Um, when he was, I don't know, I can't even name it right now. I think now, you but. saw his older work, but it might have, because he always does, like, period pieces. Maybe that's He's possible. known for period pieces. Yeah, okay, maybe it's just been so long that I can't recognize Yeah, he's, he has a recognizable style mm. and recognizable approach to fashion. Yeah. And it's usually, like, um, a, like, I wouldn't say whimsical to a certain point. But it's like big hair sometimes. Hmm. Yeah, um, I know. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. You know, if it wasn't him, then definitely it was photographers that were influenced by his work that were really big in the early 2000s. Hmm. And that look definitely came back. David Sims. Okay. David Sims. Um, Nick Knight. Yes. Um, yes. David Sims, Nick Knight, and um, Craig McDean. Okay. Maybe that Those are the three. Thing. British. I think they're all British. Makes uh, sense. And they're the ones that did ID Magazine, right. the Jill Sander ads, my yeah. favorite Jill Sander ads ever. Um, <sighs> so yeah. good. But those guys, so yeah, so certain people are nice and they actually stay nice and they're grounded. Yeah. And they're not assholes. You What's know? the difference? How, how, like let's say two people start off in the same place and work their way through the ranks how does one person end up being an asshole and the other person ends up staying nice? Like, what are the choices that they make? Um, Besides internal, like, just personality, because obviously, I don't know. I mean, is it obvious to say that some it, people are just more prone to power? I think if it's an, it's it's who you or also use of power there's many factors. It's never one thing. Yeah, it's fair. like uh, people that are around you, if they enable you. If they, you know, as I said, like, you know, when I was growing up, it's like they gas you up, you know, you're, or the environment itself is, you know, very conducive to that shittiness. Yeah. Um, I guess this is interesting because uh, recently, I guess it was recently, there was another designer who, Alexander Wang, I believe. Oh, he was accused of things. That, yeah. So I don't know what actually happened. This is all alleged as far as I and know And I think right it, it got supposedly resolved did it i think it did okay uh because i think i sent that to you not too long ago actually i, do, I don't and I was remember shocked. the resolution but i remember hearing about it and truth be told i was a little bit surprised that it was alexander wang mm-hmm. of all people um again he was I, like the golden boy of i fashion. don't know what did and didn't happen i'm not speaking to that at all whatsoever yeah i have no clue but no clue but there was a, a small part of me that was more like disappointed than anything but not surprised and not surprised because 
having been around in yeah. these industries, oh, yeah. especially in the fashion industry, you know that this is just par for the course. And this is like, I, I would not, and not even like taking Alexander Wang personally out of mm -hmm. the situation, I would not be even remotely surprised if no. a young, hot, talented fashion designer decides to give his, the people in his entourage a bunch of like drugs, like party drugs, party favors. Or, or put them in positions or that they don't in, have any... Absolutely. Or even not tell them about giving them certain substances and then, you know, just being like, whatever, we're all just partying. Everything is cool. Like that doesn't seem surprising to me at all, even though that's completely fucked up. And I think it's interesting because I think to most people outside of these industries, it seems very, 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 very unsafe. Like... Oh, People seem I... terrified by this, and I understand, but I think once you've experienced it, it seems a little, a lot less shocking. Yeah, it's, the, I was not shocked of what possibly happened. Yeah. I was more shocked that who it was, it who, who, possibly was. Yeah, because, you know, you, you, you're given this image of this um, golden person. Yeah. You know, that but... seems sweet, young, fresh-faced, dewy, and you wouldn't expect things like that. But that's how it always starts. This That's how they get away with it, yeah. too. Uh, again, we're not speaking about anybody in particular whatsoever, but I can for sure think of... I mean, also, like... I just want to say that I've definitely met lots of designers who are just very sweet and yeah. very nice and oh, did their yeah. own thing. But you know what's funny? Those don't tend to be the people that make it through. But that's the they thing. They drop out pretty quickly. They'll have a couple of seasons of shows and they'll kind of like do their thing and they'll realize, I, again, maybe I'm speaking out of turn here, but I think a lot of them kind of realize after a certain point that the money is not going to come to them despite the fact that they are talented. And so to make the work that they want to make or to, to do the things that they thought they wanted to do requires the kinds of sacrifices that they're not willing to make. And I think the people that do, unfortunately, make it farther in the industry are the people that are willing to put their scruples, again, we use that word, <laughs> I scruples, love scruples aside. Scruples is a great word. It is. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. Basically, those people. Well, there are, I agree on that. That's a lot of, that's a... <sighs> More than not, more than more, oh, cancer. More often that happens, mm -hmm. but then there are people that are genuinely nice that do make it very large. Like, from what I can see, at least from what I can see, Jean Paul Gaultier is a good example of that. True, he's always been genuine and kind to Maybe. people, and he kind of knew himself as a kid even back then. Because when you look at his documentaries or when he's talking about when he was younger, and he just loved what he was doing. And the fame just came to him because he was just good at what he did. Well, and, and he also he surrounded was, himself with yeah. like-minded people that were genuinely, for the most part, kind. Yeah. And yeah, to this day, he's still up there. I think for people like that, it's a lot. I think that's the way that I would prefer to do it is also just not giving into the hype as much. He didn't care. He just and yeah, just he, doing the thing he, he created wanted to trends continuously. Yeah, he continuously did it. Eventually you will like you and the wave eventually will meet up and yes. and you will just ride that wave 100 percent. but you have to but part of it is like being consistent i think to your own vision and not not giving way to trends or whatever and trying to like change what you're doing to fit in with the trends and i think there are people who build longevity into their career and there are people who kind of like burst, you know, they, they, they burn bright and they fizzle out really fast. Oh, yeah. So it does seem like the people that work on building longevity into their career and mm -hmm. making it more sustainable in the long run are the ones that tend to be of a better mindset and better personality. And the other side of that are more people who are just willing to do whatever they have to do to get ahead quickly. Um, and then, you know, they, I think there could be a tendency that they would be more likely to do things like this or behave in these ways. Uh, it's a weird mix because the industry itself, at least that industry of fashion, especially now, hopefully it's changing. We keep saying hopefully, but we don't really know. I think it is. Uh, the fast fashion and things like that, hopefully that's changed or at least they're more conscious. But it's all talk, really, at well, the end of the day. Well, yes and no. Because uh, these people are trying to get these trends and they're trying to go faster and faster and burning out these people. And 
let's be honest, as a human being, as you burn out, you're going to take substances to make yourself feel happy or better or whatever. And you're going to go down this rabbit hole and you're not going to be aware of either yourself or at least hopefully yourself, but the people around you yeah. or the people you've hired. Yeah. You won't be on them because you're more focused on your own pain. Totally. That someone you're, in your you're circle. You're focused on managing your own pain and emotions rather than managing the people around you that are doing all these things. Yeah. Which is, I mean, we have a limited amount of energy, so you're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, but as far as actually, that's an interesting point. As far as the sustainability issue or the, you know, the fake greenwashing issue, mm-hmm. uh, obviously, you know, I don't know if our two listeners know or not that I have a little bit of experience in the, in the sustainable fashion world, at least very limited, mostly to hear a little bit of like knowledge of the European sector. Um, but... It's been really interesting over the last couple of years, like few years. I would say like the last five years has been very interesting. And that's kind of mostly when I've been in, the, in that field. Um, it's been growing exponentially faster. But what's interesting is sustainability jumped really hard in the beginning of the pandemic and slowly fizzled out. Mm-hmm. And now no one's really talking about it yeah, again because cause... the focus is no longer on uh, on the ecology so to speak it's not about the climate as much as it is about people just surviving Mm -hmm. um so the narrative has changed quite a lot and whatever we were doing that was kind of pushing this forward has slowed down significantly however um the ripples the ripple effect is just beginning and right now what's happened is that you have the biggest bigger companies that are essentially greenwashing let's be Mm -hmm. real They've been doing that for a while. The biggest companies have been greenwashing for years now, like maybe even a decade. Uh, And that was like, you know, the H&M, the Zara, all that stuff that did like the eco-conscious line and all that bullshit, let's be real. I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't have a place. I'm not. Because if they're going to do anything, I'd rather they do that than nothing at all. Yeah. Um, If they just made clothing out of recycled fabrics that they collected, I would say now that's interesting because... Yes, it still has emissions. It still creates chemical pollutants. Mm-hmm. It's not, I don't know. I'm pretty sure they did not claim that they're in a 99%. I don't think you can system. really fully get to ni- like a full. You, you can, apparently. I mean. It depends on the materials too. Because so, so, you have yeah. to do certain things to certain yeah. materials well, with, with, with to reuse viscose, it. Which is the, the majority of the conscious collection that H&M, for example, makes. And I believe this may be true for Zara as well, but the easiest material is regenerated fiber. Regenerated fiber meaning viscose, lysol, the tensile. Uh, it's essentially a natural fiber that's been um, re like taken apart again. So when you take mm-hmm. a piece of clothing, you put it through like a shredder that shreds it to the uh. point of becoming a fiber. Then they mix all these materials together, but mm. but they're all natural fibers. So they re-spinning everything. They're, they're re-spinning it, oh, okay. and so it's like a regenerated, reworked textile. And are these are these uh, synthetic textiles? No, or are these organic? natural. Oh, natural. Okay. So there's a few different ways you can do this. Um, the original fabric is made out of wood pulp. Okay. But you can essentially create something like this from recycled clothing. So you're creating, that is organic, like cotton yes, or exactly. so, like bamboo. Um, yeah. So there's there's I don't know the exact. It's proprietary technology. Everybody has their own way of yeah. doing it. But essentially, you mix a chemical in with all these things it kind of makes up they become like even more pulpy so it's, it's like almost a solvent. like paper like yeah it, like, almost like if you put paper in water and you yeah, get that yeah. like it's like that pulp. whole process of reading yes yeah. and then yeah. afterwards you regenerate it into strands mm-hmm. and you're creating a new fiber and the way that it's made is it feels like silk mm. It's fake silk, essentially. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's lost a lot of its texture, so it's become softer. It's very soft. It's silky. It drapes really beautifully. Mm. It's a nice fabric. There is a bunch of issues in terms of who makes it, who manufactures it. Depending on who manufactures it, that will change like uh, the material that it's made of, where they source that material. So let's just stick to the fact that um, like H&M and whatever, they take their recycled clothing and mm. essentially shred it up. They separate it. I'm pretty sure they have the recycled plastics, like the the PT bottle things and the polyester that's been remade and whatever. But then they also have the natural ones that get remade. But they all they're all pretty much made the same way. Um, You you pump a chemical and a solvent in there. 
and then you take this out and you get these strands and then you reweave it and you make new clothes. Hmm. Um, the process starts again, essentially. So the problem with this is that I'm assuming they're not in a closed loop, meaning they do not take that chemical that's left over and then repurpose it again. Uh, so there are, the byproducts. there is one, I believe one, possibly two, but there are like one or two factories in the entire world hmm. that have a 99% closed loop recycling wow. system. It's incredible. It's so great. But here's the thing that people also don't really think about is that after this clothing has been made, it's also still got to be dyed, mm -hmm. cut and sewed, shipped and packed. Yeah. All that stuff still takes up such a good majority of like the sustainability or, or whatever. Like it takes so much energy that it kind of destroys that sustainable conscious angle of this clothing. You know what I'm waiting for? What? Star Trek technology but so we can just like make things out of that little generating ba yeah thingy? basically take matter it's, called anymore, but... it's like it repurposes matter right 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 right. yeah and 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 things like that would be like i mean theoretically everything is repurposed matter yeah so, yeah that makes sense it would it would save on packaging it basically you would buy it's like you know how right now people are going for <laughs> so nfts and one stuff at like a that time and they're all custom yeah like it's, custom it's like it's like uh the technology is there to for the most part, map your body and the size. Yeah. And for the most part, it's getting better and better. Yeah. But like, you know how right now people are buying NFTs and things like that. You're buying a copy and each time you make it, you're getting a percentage, mm -hmm. uh, like a 10% or whatever. Each time you resell it. Yeah. So you get royalties and things like that. Mm -hmm. So if say H&M had one catalog per season and you download yeah. that garment or, or that whole look. The pattern for the garment. Yeah. Your computer and makes it. And the computer makes it. Yeah. And it's repurposed matter from recycled goods. So, any recycled so matter. So that's sort of like, okay, so that's a good point. And I guess I didn't that, get there. That, 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 that's just my crazy. Craziness. There are things kind of like that. So they're not made out of necessarily recycled goods, but there are companies that print your own designs essentially so there's one company oh, i can't remember what it is but they essentially i think they actually had recycled yarn mm. i don't i don't think it was wool wool but i think it was recycled yarn that you could then make a pattern on their website of like there's like a limited color palette and yeah. limited number of things but then you can like using um it's not AI, but they use some kind of this generative design technology mm -hmm. that essentially allows you to make like a slight variation on those pattern. For example, if you can do like a line or a wave of two colors, but mm. then you can also make the line bigger or smaller, or you can like move it a certain way. Okay, so, so you can customize the item in a way that the computer can still do mm -hmm. and program. And then they use that to essentially knit the piece for you immediately and ship it to you. So it's one so of the, the so you're adjusting the pattern, you're adjusting the pattern, but you pick the item for you so you you go dude whoever's not investing shape, in that that is that, that is actually fucking amazing so actually you're saying whoever's not investing in that that's where everybody's going now really um i went to went to digitally <laughs> i digitally went to in this day and age that's the only way year, right? to go anywhere it was last year's apparel uh textile show and uh, instead of being oh, in miami that. so you can actually just sign up and do it all it's no, all but... online yeah. Um, and I went, quote unquote, live, like I signed up and went to all of the workshops live on Zoom when I could have just watched it all on YouTube. And I didn't know that. Like, I thought, oh, yeah, you yeah. they to... always do it live and then they post I it on YouTube. I had no idea because obviously when you go in person, it's a different experience. But if you're on Zoom, then you could just go watch it It happened a lot. Zoom. I remember I was like, what was I watching? I was watching it. Was it Sun not Sundance? It was something like that, like a film yeah, festival. Yeah. And I was watching the live thing. Yeah. And I think I either paid five dollars or something like that. And, and then a couple hours later, later, I was like, "Oh, <laughs> those five because that five dollars adds up if it's like a thousand people or more. Yeah. It's like how the, you know. Yeah. Online works. So you just got to think of it as a donation at that point. You're like, here, just take my money. Yeah, I, I guess so. I it depends. Know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, that technology is simple so that's the kind of stuff that most manufacturers uh especially north american manufacturers are now have now invested in mm. and are now starting to deploy Dude, so it's not awesome. even a thought pro it's literally like this is it. it's print yes. on demand but manufactured Factured on demand and custom manufactured yes so there's a variety of different things including there's now a software that is being implemented by a certain manufacturer from the u.s which you can actually sign up to their website and say I want these things and whatever. And they... Is it a body mapping thing? Something like that. Yeah. It's something to do with body mapping. 
and then once you, God, I don't remember, but there were oh, yeah. so many different things that were all related to that sort of kind of like custom printing, custom shipping, one at one, one at a time. Everything is like um, print on demand. There's no, you don't need to store anything anymore. Like people are going to start printing things for you on the spot. Mm. 3D printing is being utilized in a variety of different ways or the technology for 3D printing oh is now being utilized in textile manufacturing to instead of extruding, for example, plastics, you're extruding like not plastic, but you're extruding fibers, mm -hmm. which are textile fibers. It's yeah. really not that different. Um, yeah. So stuff like that is happening. It's pretty interesting. And, and so, okay, actually I have another topic to talk to you about after this, which is really yeah, funny. Because we originally started, it's funny because we originally started with bad people, um, <laughs> bad artists who yeah. are, are just assholes, you know, but why are they all men? Because there are <sighs> shitty uh, female artists, you know? That's, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the quote unquote shitty female artists are in music. Yeah. A lot of the shitty male artists are in other categories. Well, I, I mean, I think they're music deals, too, but... Well, I think when it deals with... Because... Divas are allowed in music. Yeah. I think that's a misogyny thing more than anything. Music is, a, is an industry in which women are allowed to be larger than life. Because it, cause obviously through history, you know, they were downplayed and pushed down and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So, you know, everyone's yes queening and everything like yeah. that. So I understand that aspect and I agree. But uh, women can be shitty too. Oh, 100%. You know? Um, but again, I just think about divas and then I question like, were they really shitty or were they just well, difficult for some people uh, to deal the with? The best I say from, at least from, you know, my growing up, is like the best example is Tina Turner. Yeah. She was a diva for the right reasons in mind because Ike was a piece of shit. Yeah. Uh, he and abused her and everything. For some yeah. reason. Well, mean, love is weird. Love abusers. is fucking weird. Um, you know, Stockholm syndromes and all this shit. No but um, she was fucking amazing. Yeah. And fucking strong. Yeah. And if it wasn't for Tina Turner, we wouldn't have Beyonce. Good point. You know? And, you know, so I, Tina Turner could be whatever she wants to be. Because she's fucking amazing. All diva, all the uh, time. You know, because that 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 lifestyle she lived was fucking horrible. By the way, Angela Bassett, amazing. She played Tina Turner in the film. So funny. Yeah. Yes, Angela Bassett is amazing, oh but also lol. <laughs> but um, yeah, so shitty people and sustainability. That's that's a. I guess that's the second topic now. But sustainability. Yeah, I think this is like something I've been thinking about a lot uh, over the pandemic. And how different it's been. So, okay, all this sustainability stuff, just, we'll just, I'll finish up that thought, which is essentially just that it's slowed down, but I think there's been a really needed internal change in terms oh, of the system. And part of that is because retail is shutting down so mm -hmm. hard and has, and everyone's moving online and they're realizing if we're moving online, we don't necessarily need to have the same we can't we don't have the same places for inventory storage we don't have the same methods of um, visual merchandising and merchandising everything's changed everything's become digital and i think now companies and people are realizing well if everything's going to be digital then we don't have to keep the same systems in place as we used to mm -hmm. in terms of how we used to shop you are not going to go on the most people are not going to go on the zara or the h&m website or whatever fast fashion brand and buy six or seven items they'll go on and they'll buy one. Oh yeah and the reason for that is a you can't try it on b you don't have those like um those uh signals that are in front of you when you go to the store because the entire place is merchandised from the smell to the look to the feel oh, of yeah. the clothing to the way it makes you feel That's... to be there Right? It's Marketing all, research is done just right. for that experience. It's just, an experience. And it makes you buy things even when you do not want to buy things. Yeah, because you walk by something else and you're like, oh my God, that looks so cute or that looks yeah. nice. I didn't see this before. Exactly. And, you know? and you know, the way that it's merchandised in the store makes you realize like, oh, I might, if I want that, then maybe I, I want this, maybe I want that. The things that are going to merge, well, obviously it's all tech, but the things that are going to merge is um, VR, mm -hmm. in-store VR. Yeah, not well, just can, in store, but like, but you know, like not like not physically going store, but like a store experience, but VR. Yeah. And then you're gonna the only time you're gonna go because the technology is not there to put it in everybody's home. 
but the technology you would have go to go to the, store, to the store body map talk to a person yes who, who walks you through this process once you do your body map then you, you go can, home yes and then you can and select then whatever you can select because now they know what your body or whatever your heights yeah. all that stuff and then they then, make it then you do a vr thing yeah, and then they custom make the item you for go. you, basically, which is another thing that exists already. You can custom make. Yeah, yeah. So these technologies are like slowly like mishing, mishmashing together, which is beautiful in my opinion, and there's less waste. Also, people have learned to DIY more. People yeah. are sewing. They're learning to make their own clothes. Mm -hmm. um, there's a program that, again, using kind of body mapping, but where you essentially measure yourself and you map yourself like that from mm -hmm. home, and then they create patterns for your body. So then whatever you pick, you have your measurements, you have a, a block, essentially, you know how blocks work, right? Mm -hmm. You have a pre-made digital block for your measurements in your body yeah. and whatever clothing patterns you want, you can create them. So based within on your those variations. So, yes. but right now I'm assuming there's limited variations, right? There's now. a limit because you have to input these variations. There is a limit, but it's like for most people, I mean, not for me because I know how to make clothes mm. and you know how to make clothes. But mm. for most people, if they just want to get like a dress or something, like they'll say, okay, length of dress. You'll have like three lengths of the dress, yeah. right? Knee lengths, floor length, whatever. Secondary option, sleeves. Do you want long sleeves, short sleeves, three quarter sleeves? Then you, once you pick that, do you want wide sleeves? Do you want narrow sleeves? Whatever. Do you want this kind of neckline, that kind of neckline? Yeah. And then you pick colors. And then sometimes you pick patterns, but now this is where the limitations come in, obviously. You know who's going to win in that stuff? Who? Oh kids who used to uh, make characters in video games hi me Same. yeah <laughs> I, love love I love the sims i love the sims i love the point and click also players. like the custom point and click where you like select whatever yeah. item the, oh my the God. games that allowed more variations and more details i loved the ones that were generic yeah. i hated and i think that's the other thing is like sustainability is shifting away from this idea of making clothes in a like physical clothes that are better for the environment into just people buying less clothes overall, which is what mm -hmm. we all wanted to begin mm -hmm. with. But now we're shifting into digital spaces. And uh, on that note, there is a new program uh, in England that is specifically geared towards creating digital clothing. And it is literally a degree, master's degree, I believe, in fashion design, mm. digital fashion design. Oh. So they teach you how to create three-dimensional and two-dimensional renderings on the computer and how to utilize them, how to do the like drapery and all this kind of stuff. I'm teaching myself that now. That was, well, that was the thing. Yeah, but. because when you really look at like for things like, um, if you guys are not, are not aware, there's like Unreal Engine and things like yeah, that yeah, is being yeah. used in yeah. many different Unity, applications. Unity, Unreal Engine. Yeah. You can so, use a variety of different things for sure. Uh, not slightly going off topic but it's like for for me i loved when it was used for cinematography mm -hmm. and they would plan a, sh a whole scene with the lighting and everything and characters what type of lens you name it and you can like do that whereas back then you would um you know do the uh, a flat drawing blocking um you know blocking and things like yeah. that so this technology using it in that way is yeah. amazing but also if it can mimic and recreate how certain fabrics would drape. Oh, well, see, this is where... That's the technology will grow over time. It'll get better yeah, over time. It is better. So I'm sure they're... People only... are creating their yeah. own, like, presets for that kind of stuff. See, that's the thing. It's just like it, Unreal Engine is an open like, platform. Yeah, so, so you can use Blender for this, or you can use... There you go. You could... I don't know how Unity or Unreal works in terms of that, but I oh. know that people have their own presets for that. Because, shit. for example, the best example is, like... Obviously, it's from a different genre, but video games is ahead of in that way how, you know, these characters are wearing these elaborate costumes and how it interacts in the real world is trying to mimic that for the game. And they've gotten so much better. It's ridiculous. I think it was like a year ago how PS5 was doing this. Like, I think I showed you how realistic this uh, demo was yeah. of environments. That's just rocks falling yeah. or lights or the way, you know. All that stuff. That's just fucking amazing. And and on fabric and hair, that was like, hair was usually the hardest. Oh thing. yeah, hair fur. Yeah, fur hair and stuff like that. First uh, Pixar uh, Monsters Inc. Yeah. When they did, what's his name? The big Sally? fuzzy guy. No, not this... Sally. The other guy. Um. Mike. Mike no, is Mike Sally. has Sally. Yeah. Yeah. Mike had the big uh, uh, eye. And, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike Wazowski, of course. Yeah. Um. No, Sally. I think when they did when they, no Sally's the girl. God damn it. Why do I, I not remember any of their names? Well, Mike, you got Mike. Mike I got is a big, Mike, Mike yes. was um, uh, when I Harry met Sally. the big guy was Sally. No, we were mixing it up. When Harry met Sally no, is the actor who played Mike. 
Sully, not Sully. Sully. Oh my gosh. So this Either is way, like, but the big furry uh, bear guy. Anyway, yeah. So when when Pixar figured out how to do his individual, they did like no. The first one they put individual fur hairs mm-hmm. on him. That took yeah. like forever, and then they to- they created some kind <clears throat> of a. Like a, uh, um, an automation yeah. to animate all of the fur in sync with each other at yeah. different timings so that it made sense. And then for the second one, I remember there was this big thing where they were like, we don't have to do each individual hair anymore. Now we have a system where you can just like make it happen. And then sadly, and really people cool. lost jobs. Yeah. <laughs> the person yeah. who it was to animate those single but hairs. How- horrible is that job to some extent that you have to sit there and animate each fucking hair that, that's, that, that's i don't think work. that person was paid well anyway no but that's grunt work you know yeah. that's some oh, intern no, it that's it sitting is. around that's like miserable oh 100 oh god yeah. <laughs> coming back to assholes yeah that that's an asshole move but it's also you know how industries work where you you know you're interning even though treating interns like piece of shit yeah. but um True. you got to start somewhere it's sad to say because we've all been there in certain, you know, parts of our life. But, yeah, so the technology is changing and it's getting better. And, you know, just talking about this makes my mind go into many different tangents. Because, I got really excited. Because that's fucking amazing. I don't buy, I don't shop as I used to. Yeah. Because we were talking about this earlier. Like, I used to be a sneakerhead when I was younger. And now I don't give it, you know, a shit about a yeah. lot of things. But the fact that this is the case, yeah, I feel better. I know, and that was actually the thing that made me feel more hopeful as well and made me feel like, okay, well, no matter which way my career goes, if I learn these skills, I can always do something cool because the world is turning into this uh, virtual reality thing anyway. And if I can get, if I have the skills to build my own world in that like space, then man, I'm set, you know, like regardless oh, of what happens, I can always make my own. It's, it's essentially no different than how I feel in real life where yeah. I'm like, I have to be self-sufficient, One, yeah. but then I can be self-sufficient in the digital world now where I can like do all the stuff and build it myself. I agree. Yeah. It's like I said, I came back to Star Trek, <laughs> Picard yeah. and Kirk and all those weirdos were ahead of their time. Of course they were. You I know? mean, in a weird way, that show has actually aged better than a lot of other shows have. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I just I started watching problems, uh, The Next Generation, which was uh, I'm not, I'm John Luke Picard, which is basically uh, Patrick Stewart. Oh, that's the one. That's the one. Yeah, okay. yeah. That's Wait, the one so that, what was the one before that? Uh, that was um, William Shatner, the first original one. They did movies. So, so, Sorry, so that's that. the one I'm thinking of. So what's the one after that? Uh, the Next Generation. Next Gen is... Is... Uh, Patrick Stewart and you oh, know. Oh, they weren't the same generation. No, 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 no. Oh. Yeah, they came before. Spock and them came before, and then uh, Captain uh, Picard, John Luke Picard, or Whoa. Patrick Stewart Wait, came I after. Wait, I thought Picard and Spock were in the same. No, it was Kirk and oh Spock. Oh my God, you're right. I'm yeah. so wrong. No, you're it's so, all good. Right. Hey, don't hate us, all you Trekkies. You I know, don't hate us. I'm sorry. I have so many friends that have tried to get me like into. Like I appreciate it. And yeah. I understand. Oops. Sorry. I appreciate it and I understand, of course, how great it is, but I just like could not. Oh no, because it, it's it, look when if you I first. If I watched it as a kid, it would have been different. Like I didn't watch it as much as a kid, but it was more of when you first try to get into it. It's very nerdy. Like back in the days, what would nerdy be back in the days? I mean, I was a huge nerd as a kid, but, but it, I've grown it didn't. Out it, of it. it wasn't action. Remember, it was an action nerd. It wasn't like a, no, no. Uh, I didn't um, like action anyway. How can I explain this? It, because it turned some people off. It didn't turn me off. It's just I didn't know what time it came on back then. I was I watching other things. it would literally have been the exact kind of show I would have loved as a child. Because I was into Lord of the Rings. Uh-huh. I was into like um, all the old shows. My favorite show when I was a child was Poirot's Mysteries. Poirot? Poirot. Poirot. He's the French detective. Basically. Is this an animated one? No, this was like, uh, I can't remember live, the guy. Like live action? I think he was Swiss, live action. I think the wow. actor was Swiss, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe he was British. Swiss French? I think so. He was, I think, I think Poirot was supposed to be Belgian. But like, I'll speak French. Yeah, so he spoke French, but I think the actor who played him may have been Swiss. He may, mm. he may not have been. I, I could be mistaken. So, but it was a... Uh... But modern was, time detective an, thing it was an old he's like from the 30s or 40s or something like that or like the yeah it's like a it spans a certain amount of time when i was a kid i watched the version of that with the award-winning actor who was so good at playing him so poirot is an ocd detective 
Mm. And well, that's uh, a, that's a trope that is uh, that is a trope. But this was one. This was like one of the original ah. versions because the book series was, like I said, written in like oh, it was based on a, a book. long time ago. Yes, it was Agatha Christie. Oh, I think it was Agatha Christie. Yeah. Wow. So this was like a whole series, and he was, I believe, set uh, his time was like in the thirties or some thirties, forties, um, and. Like a lot of the detective tropes that you know now come yeah. from that series. But anyway, I was the kind of kid that was obsessed with Perot. I watched all of them and I loved it because he was so specific in OCD. Mm. And the show was not action. There was no action in it. Like it's so... It was like a information... It was like information, down. information, no information, just watching people doing stuff like very quietly. Mm. Like it just, I was, I mean... We all loved Jackie Chan movies at that time, so I, I loved that Rumble kind of Bronx. action. Any anything with Jackie or Chan, what I is it? Uh, Hong Kong. I forgot the name. There's so much Jackie Chan movies, but like, yeah. Uh, I have. I, I I don't remember any of them anymore. The names are, the names, are like yeah. very like cliche names and things like that. But yeah, a lot of Jackie Chan movies. Oh so gosh. that kind of. I mean, yeah, I definitely watched like that kind of action. But besides that, no, I was like a nerd, nerd. Oh, uh, then you missed. Yeah, you, I think you did miss out I on Star out, Trek. But uh, now it's next too generation. late. It's too well, late. it's on Netflix now, though. No, I don't think I can get into it. Oh no, you can't. I, I tried. can't spend my See, here's the thing. In the same way. I knew about it. And I've watched. Uh, episodes when I was younger so I knew what was generally going on but when I tried to watch it a couple Mm -hmm. weeks ago I was like I love you Patrick Stewart but I can't get into this Mm. and it's weird because I can get into the older versions because the older versions were a little bit more punchier Maybe they were so almost like fun and less serious to the point where you you can just kind of be a part of it. It was more philosophical. Next generation, I think, was a little bit more philosophical than than I can't say philosophical no, because they were well, all philosophical. Maybe. But I think it was. I just feel like the original, like the the first generation, was more goofy. I guess. Well, yeah, I guess it a little <laughs> bit easier. It's kind of like um, I always think of like uh, Doctor Who. The first ah, series yeah, where yeah. it's like kind of so goofy that you can't. Well, yeah, the practical effects are just basically people with puppets and yeah. like just slapping together googly eyes on something. <laughs> it's kind of great. Yeah, it is kind of great because <laughs> you the accept thing. the weirdness of it. Well, either you do or you don't. So oh, this is what it was. Either you get into it or you. The Picard version took itself too seriously. That's yeah. That's Even though I it's thought. it's considered one of the best ones mm-hmm. because it lasted longer. Mm-hmm. And it did get better towards the end. But either way, uh, it got it was taking itself too seriously. Makes sense. You don't have Shatner with his Shatner. Yeah, like screaming shattiness. and like and talking like this and <laughs> like that. And where Spock is just amazing in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, Leonard Nimoy. Mm-hmm. It's fucking amazing. Rest but, in power. Yeah, I saw him. I think I told you I saw him like a year before he died at Fan Expo. You did tell me that. Yeah. And I was like, hey, Mr. Uh, All the Nimoy. the best peeps are gone now. Yeah. That, David speaking, Bowie, Leonard um, Nimoy. I, I can get into a lot of sad people oh. that keep dying. No, let's not. But I don't want to do that. That's another episode. Speaking of, though. Yeah. Oh, no, but there are shitty people. Like, not shitty people, but there shitty are artists. People. There are artists. I think I named one that I would love to, like I said, still meet that are still alive. Mm. A lot of my favorite ones have died. William Burroughs. That was a shitty artist. William S. Burroughs? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, is there another William Burroughs? But it's well, yeah, no, well, William S. Burroughs. I just that's how I remembered. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, "There's another William Burroughs." No, that's the one. That's yeah, 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 yeah. He made Naked Lunch, and yeah. like, and then I think Lynch made the movie too. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, in school they made me read that, and then I was like, "Oh, okay." And then when I saw the movie, I was like, I "Oh, okay." Recall that, but I. Remember but yeah, I heard a lot of yeah. Uh, or Hunter like S. Thompson. Hunt- All terrible people. Mm-hmm. Just. Yeah, Hunter S. Thompson. I don't know. Hunter S. Thompson was less horrible and more. But it was hilarious. Hilarious. But also, he had, he definitely had his horrible yeah. moments. Well, look, history has a lot of horrible creative people. Horrible as people, but amazing as artists. I do wonder, know? though, are they really horrible? Horber? Yes. <laughs> Erder Herber. Um, <laughs> are they really horrible, or are they just depicted that way for the sake of kind of convenience in some ways because maybe we don't know because we didn't always, live with them and we obviously. didn't get to know them yeah and we're it was of a time remember like now where everything's documented every little thing you do is documented um i think that's why listening to like interviews of people talking about them is more interesting or like oh, those yeah. who or like people who wrote about those people at those times that's well, yeah. way more interesting um i love i started getting back into the things that um 
the artists that I used to love, and as much as the person interviewing them is uh, is a not good person, or at mm. least uh, allegedly not a good person, uh, Charlie Rose. I'm gonna say his name because oh not, right, yeah. yeah. Okay. I used to I honestly, I'm gonna be honest. I used to love. Uh, the Charlie Rose show. Okay. It used to come on PBS. I and, never listened to oh it. Oh my God. It's still good. I don't care. He's, he's a weirdo. I'm not going to condone anything. But the interviews were amazing. <gasps> he would talk to every major artist alive from at least the early 90s onward. Mm. And he would talk to Spike Lee. He would talk to Helmut Newton. He would talk to Richard Avedon, Tony Morrison, Maya Angelou, you name it. He would talk to them. And he would have these long form discussions before podcasts, right? And it was amazing. And you could see... Like rather than sound bites or short little segments or cutting away, it's just straight talking, and it was beautiful. And I think that's why we're talking and we're podcasting and all of the stuff because you know it's the shit. Just get to hear people's crazy thoughts and you know. Yeah. yeah, I always think it's interesting when there's like a collective, partially for that reason because then people can sort of reflect. I mean, I suppose each other. They can just reflect each other and each other's personality and stuff. And it becomes easier to create this kind of something that feels more real and tangible than if it's just you in your own head making things, you know? <laughs> well, yeah, we, we are. Look, in the beginning, you at least I can speak for myself. I make in the beginning, I make art for myself Yeah. to solve a problem. Yeah. Or express uh, either joy, pain, or whatever emotion you want to express. Or just ex- experiment. Yeah. Explore, see what happens. I really enjoy just seeing what can be made out of kind of nothing. Yeah, because you're essentially taking some fucking, wherever the hell this idea comes from. You know, some say you pluck it from, you know, some ether, whatever the fuck it comes from. And you pull it down and you're like, okay, what am, what with my skill set? And what I can do, what can I do with this crazy idea? I think Elizabeth Gilbert talks about that in one of her books, Mm. one of her later books. I didn't particularly, I think she's the one who wrote Eat, Pray, Love as well. Oh. I did not particularly, I mean, look, the book was pretty good and everything. I fully acknowledge that it was a little bit annoying because of the whole, like, her privilege and whatnot. (laughs) But there was was good in it, for sure. And it was like a well-written book. Um... And interesting enough to read. Again, like, treat it as a fantasy and it's okay. But Mm -hmm. she wrote another book about creativity Mm -hmm. and, like, um, practicing creativity, essentially. And it's, like, a little bit new agey and overly spiritual for my personal taste. But she did a very good job of even for a person like me kind of talking about it in a way that I could really relate to and she has this concept that like your muse is is not just your muse it's mm. a muse and you kind of have access to it through doing your through your practice whatever mm-hmm. your creative practices by showing up all the time you're essentially telling this muse like hey i'm here so whenever you're ready like give me give me mm. the, the ideas and the muse is like okay here's an idea and you have a certain amount of time that you have to act on it but after, if you don't act on it, it's gone. And anybody else can get that idea after you. See, and then you've like lost your kind of claim on this idea. I, I feel there is some validity to that. because I do too. Like it, it's, it's very weird. You're right. Because sometimes you're like, oh my God, that idea that I had years ago, but I didn't act upon either through someone fear or through financial reasons or whatever it might be, you didn't do it. And then you see someone else and you're like, oh God. So when you hear people say that, it sounds crazy. No, but it's When somebody true. says, oh my God, they stole my idea. Some people say that for the for shits and giggles and I say like that. that for shits and giggles because yeah. I'm like, oh my God, they totally stole, like you know? the yeah. wave uh, bag that you showed me <laughs> that I'm like, oh my God, I totally had this design. And I did, but of course I'm not going to be able to manufacture it. And like, it's not the same thing, first of all, for me to do it versus for them to do it. So I'm mm-hmm. not serious. But also there is a part of me that's like, oh, I let that idea go. And one of those creative team members <laughs> at Weve just like took it yeah, and there's ran like, with uh, it. Roughly minimum 10 people working on that bag, at least in the design side. Yeah, for sure. And the, and the, the actual labor side is a whole other thing. And chances you know? are, like, it's not just... The thing is, you know, we talk about this collective consciousness and people think that it's crazy. But the thing is, all, all that collective consciousness really means is all of our collective knowledge that we have gathered through time and history and our ability to 
access that, which right now is essentially through the internet. Mm -hmm. We all have access to the same things and the same information. So at some point, if you were doing enough research, you will get to the same goddamn answer. Mm -hmm. Just at different times and maybe in different ways. Well, speaking on that, there was this whole, I'm not sure if it was a study, but this look into inventors mm. and how inventions, certain inventions were created at the same time. Parts like like one person in the U.S., one person in somewhere in Europe or somewhere in Asia, all roughly within a month or week or whatever period apart yeah. from each other, and they don't know each other. Right. So they're all pl seemingly, at least if you look at it, are plucking some sort of idea from somewhere right. all at the same yes, time. Totally. Like this, it's like it's like a river, and you see a fish, and we both see the same fish, but maybe I missed it upstream and you caught it downstream. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So uh, going off on a weird little tangent, there's this cool. I think I talked about this. Why the Last Man? Yeah, of course. It's I like know that why the last man. that whole, and they're gonna make it into a show now, which is amazing. They've been trying to make it to a show for ages. They're filming it now. Yeah, yeah, here. Yeah. Um, and it's amazing. But that that book kind of gets into the whole idea of, you know, um, these island monkeys in Japan towards the end, and how researchers would throw yams onto the beach. You know what I mean? Yeah. And in the beginning, the monkeys would avoid the yams. Like, they didn't want to eat the yams because they yeah. had sand on it. Yeah. But then one monkey started cleaning the yams, <laughs> right? Yeah. And on another island not too far, that have two different groups of monkeys, even though they're the same species. But for some reason, right away, the other monkeys knew what to do. So it's like this collective Wi-Fi, in a sense. Right. Where this knowledge somehow transmitted to these other monkeys it's interesting you know what i mean i mean that's also a graphic novel so yeah, but it's based on it's based on some research actual uh, i mean some people <sighs> whether like i said you can look into it i mean some people talk about this the way that they that they re relate this to quantum theory and the fact that you know like the whole two particles that are oh the split you're talking about the split yeah, thing the split or one is in somewhere the other mm -hmm. side of space and the exactly. other ones and if they vibrate or they move at the same whatever they are doing the same thing at the same time they're essentially like twin particles mm -hmm. um regardless of where they are in, in time and space but yeah so that kind of thing and i mean if it is possible in the quantum realm realm then it could be possible in the, in the physical or in yeah. our current realm like I the suppose. inventors all inventing similar things at the same time yeah so there is kind of i mean whatever whatever it is what, i don't know what it whatever is. it is yeah. it is a thing mm -hmm. but i just i like this idea because i think it fits very well with how i think a lot of artists function and that is that you almost have to treat your art as a compulsion mm -hmm. or your creativity as a compulsion when it comes to you you have to you have, you to, have to act, act upon it. it yes and just like what you were saying about writing you were like, and I sat down, I just wrote, wrote it all at once. And I think yeah. so much of art is, or being an artist, is actually just learning how to harness all of that, put it on paper and figure out how to make it. Because a lot of people have those impulses, mm -hmm. but not a lot of people have the ability, the discipline, the skill set, the experience to put that into, like, like, like take physically create Physically manifest it. Yeah. it yeah. Manifest it, that's the, yeah. that's the word I'm looking for. Sorry, I'm oh, no, I, no, it's all good. <laughs> I totally agree because, you know, uh, if you're frustrated, say, like, I'm writing stuff and I was telling you, like, it just blurted all out literally yeah. more formed than me sitting and sitting and looking at the computer trying to write something. Yeah. It came out so well formed that, yeah, and those moments are beautiful moments. Yeah, I agree. They're gems in, in, in you know. And, you know, they come from being with your own thoughts those moments come when you have had time to process things yes when you've had time to just exist without being pushed and, and pulled in a bunch of different directions so that's the other thing i think now we're talking about what does it take to be an artist again but like what but they all but it, uh, come everything comes around full yeah. circle though and it's and like again i think about this i think about this all the time anyway but especially with the panini outside as i've heard some someone refer to it a what? The panini. The panini? The pandemic. Oh. The yeah. pa I've heard Where? so many. The, I wanted to call it the panda. Just like, yeah, pandemonium. I, I'm, I'm, I'm out of the loop out of these, like... Uh, uh, anyway, so... The th I just call it the thing. <laughs> the thing. Yeah. Uh, Cthulhu. Actually, the thing is the movie, the thing. The thing is the movie. <gasps> and I watched it recently. Did it's you? It's amazing. That's so funny. Oh, my God. 
Oh, I think of no. I always think of Swamp Thing. That's a whole different. No, watch different the thing. thing. Uh, John Carpenter's The Thing with uh, Kurt Russell. Old. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Uh. But yeah. Yeah. I, I sorry. I was <laughs> John Carpenter. I was thinking like The Fly, The Thing, all all the movies. Yeah. But yeah, I think like uh, that is so much the the idea that like anybody could do these things because we are all born with creative impulses that's just being human yeah we're all a we all can either learn to or just are able to create um from pretty much birth or mm -hmm. no, not birth but you know everybody has the capacity faculties. to do that yeah, yeah we have the capacity we're born with the capacity to but i think we live in a world where like we are not allowed to act on those creative impulses unless we are specifically designated as like artists or yes. makers or whatever or if so, you have the financial backing right but he, but then that's a different kind of privilege i think that says oh i can do whatever that means i can mm. create i can build i can i can play in the world well i loved see here's the thing about uh, the world we're currently living in, which uh, there's parts of it I dislike. Right. And it's the whole, certain industries still have it, but it's more apprenticeship. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, we don't have that here like, in Canada and in the we US have a it little in, bit. We have it in the physical labor we trades. We have it in certain, yeah. Yeah, in the, in the, in the energy sector, yeah. we still have, um, what's it called, um, you know, apprentices and, you know, going through different construction. Yeah. Um, uh, I think hairdressing. Uh, I think hair, yeah. I think hairdressing has that. Um, I think barbers have a something like I mean. that. Yeah, barbers, like yeah. you know things like that. And in terms of art, it's at least um, we're only speaking in terms of Canada. At least we've kind of lost aspects of that. Sorry. We'll both open it right now, might yeah. as well, because we can cut that. Yeah. Oh, so good. But yeah, we've lost that aspect of apprenticeship in terms of the arts, at least. Yeah. Because back, like in other countries, that still goes down. I We always go to, obviously... Yeah, in the UK, it's still a thing. A lot yeah. of places. Oh, how different life would have been if only. <laughs> okay. You'll always hear us bitching about, uh, about where we're from. But yeah, about there's, the fact there's that some we're validity not to from it, Europe. We've lost it. Because Canada used to have this stuff. It yeah. used to have a huge manufacturing base. Yep. You know what I mean? Because a lot of these lofts that they've destroyed or are still using as, you know, as uh, oh, yeah, condos the, or whatever. Um, there was the fashion building. Not the fashion building. Oh, the Sears building that got Which turned one? into condos a while ago. Actually, where um, where he works. The oh, cafe. near Ryerson? Yeah. So that those are the, oh, I don't remember what they're called, but they're, they turned into lofts. Oh, that beautiful be, building across? Yeah, oh, so it was wow. This, it used to be owned by Sears. Wow. Um, and it was like an old... Manufacturing factory? It was a, it was a storage and something facility. I think it was a, it was a Sears storage facility or... See, this is... There was two of them, um, but yeah. That's the sad uh, de-industrial aspects of things. Like, I understand things will change, like we were talking about earlier about clothing and things like that. But, yeah, look... At a certain point, when you look at history, and obviously I'm going to talk about like you know the Renaissance and things like that, people would be apprentices, yeah. and they would work under an artist or whatever, and they would learn and grow, and then eventually they'll break off to their doing their own thing. Yeah. Um, and then obviously when fashion, all like same thing, so that allowed people to be creative, number one, and yeah. make money. The the balance of of being an artist and the business aspect mm -hmm. were beautifully melded. Yeah, but also. You know what I mean? It taught you to sell you how to sell yourself. You know, guild systems had their problems as well, and they mm -hmm. kept a lot of people out who maybe they kept women out. They kept a lot of people a, out, and then they kept ra like different races out. Exactly. Yeah. So it's not exactly that system is also broken. It's not exactly a oh, meritocracy. Oh, that's not perfect. It's not even close. You know? I mean, <laughs> yeah, but saying like it's not perfect I'm not, that I'm way. Not, no, no, you have to understand. It's not justifying the shitty aspects, but there's some nugget of it. Yes, yes, of course. If it's implemented in a better way that is more inclusive, yes, then it would be like the amazing. idea of it is for sure great. Look, film. Okay, I'll give an example. Like we, film is, you know, I've I've one thing that stuck with me more recently is watching. Uh, I think I told you Spike Lee's uh, masterclass, and he talked about how the unions. You know, it's nepotism and there's, you know, race and all these other things are factoring in. And when Spike wanted to get um, black Teamsters, yeah, they were like, oh, we don't have any. But the reality was they did, but they didn't want to give them black Teamsters because, you know, 
They wanted their own people, people that they knew. And there was people in the union that were black people. But when he found his own, they're like, oh, no, 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 no. We have some already. Great. Yeah, well, power. Everyone wants to have their their hands in the pot, in the pie, whatever you want to say. You know, it's, it's never just clean and simple. No, there's always, power will always corrupt people at a certain point. The thing is, even if power doesn't corrupt you, it'll corrupt someone near you yes. enough that you'll have to compromise. Compromise to save that person from something or, or something. Yeah, or they fuck you over. Or you have to do it completely yourself, out of pocket. But then you know someone else will stop you. Oh yeah. At some point. Well, the amount of people that made amazing technology that have been stopped because someone else was affecting someone else's money, someone more powerful. Yeah. And they destroy you. Who killed the electric car? That's, I was going to say that. That's, yeah. Or, you know, a, 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 a current supervillain that I'm not going to name names. <laughs> that um, is, is a supervillain, or at least supervillain to certain people, um, was cutthroat mm. when he owned his software company. Mm-hmm. And he was ruthless at AF. Yeah. You know? So, the, yeah, it's it's, you know... But he had money. He he was not. He shall not be named. But he had money. He was not poor. No. He was yes. He was a high school. uh, What is it? He didn't go to college, but he had money backing him. He was already. He yeah. I love the whole like somebody started in their garage thing. It's like yeah, but the garage belonged to a house that cost millions of dollars. Jobs was was more of a better story. Yeah, I mean he was not poor. Everybody started in their fucking garage. But it was Wozniak's garage. Yeah, that's true. All I'm saying is. There are stories that are legit. Yeah, and I'm yeah. not saying they're not, but yeah. I'm saying just because somebody started in a garage doesn't mean squat. Yeah, yeah. It could be a, multi, a, a giant house in Silicon Valley in a garage. It could garage. be your parents, yeah, garage, <laughs> which it often is. It's somebody's parents' garage, but their parents have like a McMansion. Like everybody wants to have the humble beginning story. You know, every. Ugh, fuck. This is like. This is the thing. You know, we could also move on to our next episode. 